the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'll drink to that. Well, actually, I won't drink to that because I don't drink, and I'm glad I don't for a lot of reasons, and I don't have a problem with anybody who does want to drink alcohol, and I'd never be in favor of preventing it from happening. But the state of Pennsylvania is doing a pretty good job of that. Uh, the governor closed the state stores, and the website for people to buy it online is a complete joke. So is the fact that anybody has to deal with the state to buy a bottle of bourbon in the first place. But that's been going on for a long time. There have been plenty of attempts to put an end to that insanity. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk to a state rep. He's ready to take the first step toward doing that, getting rid of that uh, stupidity as soon as next week. The Democrats, including the governor, are bound to put up a fight. And speaking of Democrats, uh, we're going to have an update from out on the coast. What do you hear with the Democrats running California and uh, San Francisco, the people, you know, who have popularized pooping on the street, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi, her $24,000 refrigerator filled with $12 pints of ice cream. What do you hear what they've been up to during this pandemic shutdown? It's called decarcerate, decriminalize, and depolice. The coronavirus has given the idiots opportunities to spread their insanity that they never dreamed of. That's all coming up, but first, it is Friday, and you know what that means. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. And boy, it gets tougher every week around here at uh, Windows R Us Jerk of the Week headquarters. A record amount of stupidity out there, as I'm sure you've noticed. Most of it, of course, coming from idiotic liberal politicians and their liberal friends in the media. But our winner this week is from the media. That would be Chris Cuomo, also known as Fredo for saying this while he was quarantined with the coronavirus. I don't want to spend my time doing things that I don't think are valuable enough to me personally. Like what? Well, I don't like what I do professionally, I've decided. I don't want some jack loser, fat tire biker um, to be able to pull over uh, and get in my face and in my space and talk to me. I don't want to hear it. That matters to me more than making millions of dollars a year. Yeah, Chris doesn't care about money anymore because he's made millions of dollars a year for several years working at that job he hates, but he just earned something money can't buy. This week's Windows R Us Jerk of the Week. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Well, we're all spending more time at home these days, but somehow the wind and the rain didn't get the memo about shelter in place. This is John Stoggerwald with some great news from Windows R Us Pittsburgh. They've been granted a waiver by the governor to handle any emergency repairs outside your home. If you've had damage to your roof, gutters, siding, or windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can still answer the call. And everything will be handled in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines to keep your family and their employees safe. You may be eligible for free repair or replacement with the area's premier exterior replacement company with over 50 years of home remodeling experience. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers for a no-pressure approach with no hidden fees and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry, a company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. 
If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Thanks to Genesis 950, I can have guests in my home without the shame of pet stains and odors. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. All pet owners should have Genesis 950 on hand. I can even use it in my carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for my family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, oil and grease stains, wheels, tires, degreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here, inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel, December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit sebgorka.com and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, if there's not enough aggravation for you right now during this coronavirus fiasco... Uh, just try to get yourself a bottle of booze somewhere. It's not very easy trying to go through the liquor control system in Pennsylvania. There's somebody out there who's going to try to change that and take it all away from the state. His name is Timothy O'Neill. He is the uh, the state house representative from uh, District 48 in Washington County, and he joins us now. Tim, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start with this. Uh, this with I got to ask you, um, what was Act Thirty Nine? Sure, Act Act Thirty Nine passed back in two thousand sixteen, and it was the first time since Prohibition that the state of Pennsylvania updated its liquor law. And Act Thirty Nine is the reason why you can currently buy wine in grocery stores and convenience stores. Uh, Act Thirty Nine is what uh, what allowed that to happen. Okay, and and did it work? I mean, did it, did it do what was promised? I mean, you say that it, you can now buy that stuff, but it, did it? I mean, did it live up to the billing of the bill? Well, that, that, that's a great question, John. Uh, to be honest, it, the answer is yes and no. It, it it did live up to the billing because it showed us that across the Commonwealth we can sell alcohol in effective and safe manner in, in a lot of places other than simply at state stores. So from that standpoint, I would, t- I would say Act 39 did do a lot of good. It, it proved to us that the private system uh, can sell alcohol responsibly. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it also showed us that 
that the antiquated system of state stores um, just isn't effective anymore here in our Yeah, but I'm I'm wondering um, how much uh, pulling of teeth did it take to get that passed? You know, it sort of took took a little bite out of the issue but didn't kill it. Yes, yeah. So, so to be honest with you, that how that how that got done is there was a bill that was sent to the governor's desk. It was House Bill 466 in 2015. That was and that was a full privatization bill that would have sold all of the state stores and allowed the entire system to be privatized. Uh, the gov- governor Wolf vetoed that bill in 2015, and the follow up was what became Act 39 in 2016. So, so f- uh, that was Bill Four Sixty Six you're talking about in 2015. Yes, sir. So, so his, so the governor's reason for vetoing that, and it was passed by both uh, houses. Um, it was passed, but he vetoed it. Was it all because he just, he just wasn't? Re- nobody seems to be. I mean, you are, but not enough people in the state, uh, in state government, are prepared to just pull the trigger on privatizing the whole thing and, and getting it into the 21st century. You know, I, I've been in the legislature here for for uh, for about two years now, and there, there's often a saying in Harrisburg that sometimes the incremental in Pennsylvania is revolutionary. So <laughs> it, I agree with with the statement you just made. Um, oftentimes, our state government, just in in the bureaucracy of our state government, just clings on to our to our old systems. Uh, but, but to be honest with you, the, the, the current situation we find ourselves in has highlighted the pure inefficiency in this system. Um, I'm sure you're aware that all the state stores are currently closed, mm-hmm. and uh, the only thing happening right now is online sales, and since that's opened in April, it's been a complete failure. Now, here's uh, interesting you bring that up, because somebody sent me this on Twitter, um, and this is one of the reasons why I called to have you on, because uh, the, there was so much activity about the stupidity of uh, the state owning. A, I, I just I put up a tweet. It just said, how stupid is it that the state owns liquor stores? Um, and I got a ton of responses to it. Here was one of them. The guy tweeted. He said, uh, this is what this is what you get uh, when you go online to try to get a uh, to try to get through to the state system. And the, the what came up was. Thank you for being a valued customer. We're currently unable to take your order and apologize for the inconvenience. A limited number of orders may be placed each day. We've randomed, randomized access to enable us to fulfill orders quickly and efficiently. The daily number of orders are limited to expedite processing. Please try again in the next few hours or coming days. We appreciate your patience and understanding. And, Tim, what's missing from that is... There, and by the way, there's nothing you can do about it because we are the only people in this state that can sell booze to you. Because <laughs> right. it, it's a monopoly, and that's, that's enough. Right. That and, should be enough right there to get people to wake up. Absolutely, and, and to just to highlight that with with a few numbers, John. It, since that that website for for online sales launched on four one on on what turned out to be a good April Fool's joke. Right. Um, and since then, we, we sit here today, April 17th, there, there's been 1.2 million visitors that have tried to get to the website to order. Um, on, on April 1st, they fulfilled a total of 700 orders. That's good. As That's what today, about 0.001%. Right, right. As of today, they are still only capable of filling 1,800 orders in a day. Um, which, you know, as we know in modern society today, this is just unacceptable. It's unacceptable that that when it comes to the convenience of this, and there's there's plenty of demand, but the the current system is simply not not living up to the challenge. We're talking to State Rep uh, Tim O'Neill from District uh, 48 out here where I am in Washington County. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working from home. Tim, I'm right here in Washington County with you, um, and um, I, I, is, so this bill that you uh, are going to introduce, would it end the state liquor store system and create only private outlets? I mean, would that be the end of the state's um, involvement at all in the sale of this stuff? That, that's exactly right. So, so the bill that I'm, uh, that I'm prepared to propose 
would would actually sell off all of the state store stores themselves. It, it would also uh, transition the state away from the the wholesale of liquor uh, in wine as well. So I, I don't know if you realize this yet, John, um, but but the wine that is currently sold in Giant Eagle and the, and the grocery stores and the, yeah. the Giants and the Wegmans across the state, all of that has to be by law has to be purchased from the state store system. So so the the state the liquor control board not only acts as a retailer and a competitor, but it, it's also the supplier uh, of the entire system in Pennsylvania. So the supermarkets. So my, my bill are, would my bill would get us out of all of that. Sorry. To okay. Hear. So the supermarkets right now have to go through the state system to buy the wine uh, that they now sell in their stores. That's correct. Um, and I don't drink, so none of this. I, I never, I never have an issue of trying to uh, buy a, a, a can of beer or a bottle of booze or wine or anything. Uh, so it, it's not important to me, but it, just the stupidity of it uh, that that anybody would think that allowing the state to have a monopoly on something like this would be a good idea. Uh, and um, I, I, do, you, do you think that the people who are opposed to this? have paid attention to how many people are trying to go to West Virginia and Ohio to buy this stuff, and then they've had to pass laws there or come up with, uh, I don't know, edicts there that you can't sell to anybody from Pennsylvania, and how much money is going out of the state? Yes, I I do think people are very much paying attention to this issue right now, Uh, and you bring up another great point. We've basically made bootleggers, out of our uh, out of our citizens by mm-hmm. by refusing to sell alcohol in Pennsylvania. Uh, it, it, as a matter of fact, even today, to go across state lines to buy alcohol and bring it back into the state is a federal offense. It is. So we have actually created a whole host of our own citizens that that <laughs> are are breaking federal law uh, in just for the sole reason that we're incapable of selling it in the state. Yeah, I put out a tweet a few days ago that said this would be a good time to be a bootlegger, and I was sort of <laughs> kidding. But if I went to Ohio and was able to buy a case of uh, a liquor, and I brought it back here and sold a few of them to my friends, that would I'd be guilty of a federal crime. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I saw a comment from a PA legislator somewhere uh, who said, he said, I will never support a bill that would result in the loss of 3,500 jobs. Uh, what uh, Are those the 3,500 jobs of union jobs of, of people working in the liquor store business? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know about that specific, uh, that, that specific yeah. tweet or, or comment. Does it um, sound like that's but, what he's referring to, the 3,500? That, but that, that would be my assumption, yes. Um, yeah. But, but it's, a, it's a fallacy, John. You know, the, the reality is those jobs would not disappear. Yes, they would no longer be state-funded jobs, uh, but they, those, those jobs would be, would be in the private sector. They would transition to the private sector. As a matter of fact, I think this would create jobs because it would create opportunities for, for the private industry to sell this. And it's something the private the private industry wants. They, they're they're eager to get. They're eager to to have this revenue source. And I actually think uh, it would be a net increase of jobs overall. Well, what what would your bill allow for? I mean, um, how many who who could open a liquor store? Would you have to get some kind of, still have to get some kind of a state permit license? Like you have to have a liquor license now for a bar? Yes, that's exactly right. So so. Uh, the way the bill is currently written, and, and we're, you know, it's very early in the process, so it can certainly be modified along the process. It's currently written to, that it would create uh, 1,200 wine and spirit license, licenses to sell, that you would be required to, to own one of those licenses in, in order to, uh, to, to sell wine and spirits in a private location. So when you introduce this bill, and how, how soon will you be doing this, by the way? So uh, it, it could happen as early as the end of next week. Um, oh, wow. We are, we are running some provisions. Uh, that are, we're expected to run a, a couple bills this coming week that may influence when, uh, when I introduce the legislation, depending on, on how the legislation goes this coming week. Um, it, it could be as early as next Thursday or Friday, or uh, timing of it, we might, we might want to wait a few more weeks after that. 
Uh, well, what do the um, what what does how does the what's going on now in the world with the the virus and the shutdown and everything? How does that affect your ability to get your job done in in Harrisburg? Well, we we are still meeting and, and we are still in session. Uh, we've we have modified our roles in order uh, to ensure that we can continue to operate safely uh, throughout the crisis. But legislation is still proceeding. It, it's a little bit more difficult. To, uh, to, to get controversial legislation through uh, just because uh, it's a little bit harder to debate issues and, and come to consensus. Um, but we, are, we continue to meet. We continue to pass, run and pass legislation. So, um, so when, you, when, you, when you introduce this bill, um, what, are going, what, are, what objections are you expecting? I know, I mean, you, you have to know when you introduce this, you're prepared for what the objections will be. What is the case for not doing this that people are going to try to make? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest pushback will be from the union. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the union that represents most state store employees of the U, UCFW, uh, and it, it'll be about uh, preserve, preserving those jobs. That, that's the biggest argument against it. Uh, the, the governor has made the argument in the past. As a matter of fact, when he vetoed this legislation back in 2015, he made the argument about the revenue that the system brings in. Um, I, the current crisis has highlighted the fact that, that that will not be an issue this time around because, quite honestly, they are lo- the, the LCB is losing money uh, to, to a, a pretty substantial amount at, at this point with the current crisis. So the, the biggest, the biggest uh, argument against it will be simply the jobs uh, of the state store employees. I don't know the the history of of the um, of the uh, the idea that uh, the state store should be state operated, but I mean I'm old enough to remember the the blue laws when um, I don't know if you could even buy a beer anywhere on a Sunday, um, and so the state has always been very much involved in it. But does this go back to prohibition, and uh, is this something that? Uh, is there anybody trying to make the case that by not having the state involved, that there'll be um, the it'll increase the abuse of alcohol and that it'll make it too readily available to too many people? Is that part of the argument? Yeah, that 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 is it. Is, it is always a part of the argument. Um, it does go back to prohibition. Uh, like I said, the major, the only real major change we've made since prohibition was Act Thirty Nine in two thousand sixteen. Um, but I, I would I could I would make an, a moral argument that from a morality standpoint, the the state should not be in the cell in in the business of selling alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's better managed and better managed at, at the private level, and the state will continue to to have a place in. Uh, in regulating the sale of alcohol and controlling the sale of alcohol, they they just simply won't be in the business themselves anymore. Um, there, there's also an argument against it as far as the tax revenue that bring that that the system brings in, but the reality is that the tax revenue isn't going away. The sales will still be there. The the method will just be delivered differently, and the, those revenues will still be collected. Now this is an off the wall question. I only have about a minute left. Uh, I just thought of this. Um, it, it would seem, and I'm up against a hard break, I have a minute, um, it would seem inevitable that one of these days you guys are going to be voting on whether to legalize recreational marijuana. What might this have to do with that, if anything? Well, I, I don't know that it has anything to do with it. Uh, the, the reality is there's there, because alcohol has been legal a lot longer, we know a lot more about the effects of alcohol uh, than we do about the effects of legal legalizing mar- recreational marijuana. I, I think we've got a long way to go to figure out the impacts of, of marijuana. Well, Tim, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll be paying close attention to see if you can get this thing pushed through. I think if they took a referendum, it wouldn't, wouldn't even be close, but uh, that's not how things work right now. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's, uh, that's Representative uh, Tim O'Neill, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan says he expects the surging caseload of coronavirus patients to peak and start to decline soon in his state, a key turning point in plans to reopen that state's economy. 
In Texas, Republican Governor Greg Abbott has announced a slow reopening with orders that allow retail shops to sell items curbside, lets visitors return to state parks, and put doctors back in operating rooms. That's after they were banned for weeks from performing non-essential surgeries. In Florida, authorities are reopening public beaches for exercise with safety and social distancing as the limiting conditions. On Wall Street, stocks finishing higher today. The Dow gained 704 points. The Nasdaq was up 117, and the S&P 500 was ahead 75. This is SRN News. She used to play hide-and-seek in your backyard. Now she's getting married in it. So when you see a bare spot, you need something that patches it fast. Pennington One-Step Complete has a revolutionary formula that repairs bare spots in only two weeks or less. Pennington has been trusted since 1945, and now it works even faster. One-Step Complete from Pennington. Honest Green. Get your lawn ready for any occasion. Head to your local retailer to pick up One-Step Complete. This is Dennis Prager and my friends. They're at it again. The left is doing its best to silence ideas it doesn't like. Hollywood does not want you to see my film, No Safe Spaces, which is why you won't see it on Netflix or Amazon Prime. But now you can watch No Safe Spaces for a limited time at nosafespaces.com. It's time to fight back and protect freedom in America. See No Safe Spaces. It is a great film starring me and Adam Carolla. Go to nosafespaces.com. Jay Sekula sees hypocrisy in this pandemic. The boycott, divest, and sanction movement against the state of Israel is an illegitimate social protest movement. If it materializes and the Israelis, which they are working on this, come up with a vaccine to inoculate against the coronavirus, the BDS movement will not apply. So you tell me about what this movement's really about. Jay Sekulow Live, weeknights at 6, right before Larry Elder at 7, at AM 1250. The answer. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus. So if you have a fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your healthcare provider before going in. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The Allegheny Institute's research, education, and advocacy have steadfastly worked to defend taxpayers and businesses against the inefficiency and intrusiveness of ever-expanding, burdensome government since 1995. And this year, Greater Pittsburgh's trusted source for sound public policy analysis is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Join the fight today by making your tax-deductible contribution at AlleghenyInstitute.org. That's AlleghenyInstitute.org. This is John Samick. I'm the owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. As we battle the coronavirus, Service Master follows all CDC guidelines for social interaction. Our mission is to protect your home and business. And the yellow van. Service This is John Samick. I'm the owner of Service Master Greater Pittsburgh. We follow all CDC guidelines as we continue to provide essential services to homes and businesses, including fire and water damage restoration. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master. If you haven't switched to Pure Talk USA, you're probably paying too much for your cell service. Pure Talk covers 99% of the country, and plans start at just $20 per line with no contract and a one-month risk-free guarantee. You've got nothing to lose. You can even keep your phone and your number. Get 50% off your first month when you call now. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code half off. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code half off. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer. An accident on the parkway north on the inbound side. At Mount Nebo Road, it is in the median. Also on the parkway north, the HOV lanes remain closed until further notice. Southbound 79, right lane construction continues between Bridgeville and South Point Boulevard. Accident cleared on West End Bridge. Parkway East, 13-minute trip between downtown and Monroeville. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Tonight, occasional rain and drizzle, low 33. Sunshine tomorrow with a cool breeze, high 50. Clear tomorrow night, low 37. Sunday, considerable clouds, high 57. 
Monday, turning out mostly cloudy, high 56. Tuesday, cloudy and cool, high 52. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's no better example of liberal stupidity and the consequences of it than California. It's totally in control of Democrats now, and the lunatics out there have had the power that comes with the economy being shut down for about a month now, or maybe a little more than that. Chris Rufo spends a lot of his time documenting the stupidity. He's a documentary filmmaker and a contributing editor of City Journal. He's been on the show before, and he joins us now. Thanks for coming on again, Chris. Great to be with you. So uh, you write that the world of the poor in San Francisco (laughs) has become like Mad Max with a policy of decarcerate, decriminalize, and de-police. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's really remarkable. But, you know, San Francisco has long been one of America's most progressive cities. And for many years now, they've been pushing an agenda of decarceration, which means releasing as many people as possible from prison, decriminalization, so allowing people to camp in the streets, allowing people to possess and use drugs. Uh, And these things have both gone into hyperdrive in response to the coronavirus. The district attorney, a radical named Chesa Boudin, has released nearly 50% of all inmates from San Francisco County Jail. And then they've adopted a policy of decriminalizing camping and low-level property crimes throughout the city. And as you could probably guess, the consequences have not been good uh, for the everyday people that are living uh, in the San Francisco area. And uh, this decarcerating, they're not, uh, they're letting out only nonviolent people, right? I mean, nobody would put violent criminals back on the street, especially in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, the rhetoric over the last two years is to release nonviolent drug offenders. You've probably heard that phrase over and yeah. over and over. But I actually looked at the, at the data from San Francisco County Jail, and it turns out that only 4% of the inmates in San Francisco County Jail are there for drug offenses. And it's actually almost 70% are there for violent crimes, weapons charges, and serious felonies. So when you do the math, just by the logic of numbers, uh, you are absolutely releasing violent offenders onto the streets in the midst of a pandemic where they have nowhere to go. And then they're going to be seeing an increase in the kind of crime and disorder and dysfunction that's already starting to take place really just two weeks after this started. And I'm afraid that what they're really doing is they're trying to push this as far as they can using coronavirus as cover. Uh, And their activists are now calling for releasing every single inmate from San Francisco County Jail. I mean, that is the goal is to shut down the jail system entirely and have a world without jails, without the ability to enforce the law. These are supposed to to be smart people. And and then then many of them, they're... They, they think they're so smart that they look down their noses at anybody who doesn't agree with them. And, and their goal, uh, many of them college graduates, by the way, from, from what are supposed to be really good schools, they're actually running around saying that everybody in the county jail should be released. Everybody. That includes uh, murderers, anybody who wants to get out. Yeah, and I think this is really the the most dangerous kind of person, someone who is extremely intelligent, but also extremely unwise. And that's what you see in numbers. And these are folks who are ideological fanatics. I mean, you just really, you, you listen to their words, you read the stuff that they put out, you see their actions and observe them over time. And they're intelligent people. They're often very educated people, people that come from wealthy backgrounds that have so little understanding of the real world, the world of the working class and the poor, that they think that their own kind of ideological fantasies can be mapped onto reality with good effects. And unfortunately, the reality of this world is brutal. I mean, I've spent a lot of times in in prisons throughout the United States. Um, There are a lot of folks are there for a good reason because they present an immediate danger to the public and uh, unfortunately, that can't be papered over with a progressive ideology. <laughs> That's kind of the idea of a prison, I think, isn't it? That's why they have you know those bars and uh, the doors are locked, because uh, the idea is you don't want those people out on the street. So um, uh, the people who spew this kind of stupidity and nonsense, uh, um, is, who, I mean, the, the, these, peop- these kinds of people have always been around, Chris, but they were 
they were laughed off the stage. They were they were they weren't they weren't even tolerated for a second. They were just told to go away. So uh, we've reached the point in San Francisco and maybe California, um, most of it, that this this kind of thinking is not considered to be all that outrageous, and people are getting elected who believe this stuff. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I think what you've seen is that uh, San Francisco has become a world that's untethered from reality, and you've seen big demographic changes. The old San Francisco working class is gone. The old San Francisco kind of traditional, traditionally minded minority communities are gone. And what you have is an increasingly dense concentration of hyper-educated, hyper-progressive white elites who have adopted the most extreme forms of progressive ideology. And what I think you're seeing is you're seeing a kind of double play where you're seeing the kind of hippie San Francisco baby boomers that have the pulling the strings at, at the kind of uh, background level merged with the kind of kind of virulent ideology of the millennial and Gen Xers who were raised in the kind of progressivism of the academia. And they've essentially taken control of the city and they are the only political voice in the city. And again, the coronavirus has presented them with this opportunity to ram through these extreme policies while people are scared, while people are home, and while people will give them the chance to get it done. Yeah, I am a uh, member of that baby boomer generation, which I refer to as the worst generation. <laughs> and it sounds to me like you have the baby boomers uh, who are still hanging around long enough to be in charge, uh, and uh, they are also being aided by the people who were educated by them. Uh, and that's yeah, what, that's I, I, that's what we, that's how you end up with what you got there. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that a lot of the kind of 1960s uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Berkeley, Oakland, uh, you know, these were people who were grew up in the world of uh, you know radical politics, the Black Panthers, the, the 60s social movements, Angela Davis, and they've they've taken those old ideas which kind of collapsed after the 1970s and then as you moved into the Reagan era and this is their big chance to revive them and one thing that I, I always try to point out to people and I hope that your listeners can see this clearly is that almost all of these hyper progressive ideas that are presented as the new thing whether it's Ocasio-Cortez whether it's the Democratic Socialists or whether it's Bernie Sanders um, these are all kind of slightly kind of reheated microwave policies from 1968. And if you look at it through that lens, if you understand it through the framework of 60s radicalism, um, not only do the policies become clear, but hopefully the kind of antidote to these policies also uh, becomes much clearer. What is that? What is the antidote? You know, I think that you saw it with the rise of, of Richard Nixon, where uh, once things get out of control and, you know, middle class residents start to recoil from some of the most extreme examples, uh, you were able to to kind of forge new political movements based on a return to law and order. Uh, you were able to forge a kind of counter narrative and really let the things burn out. And I, I think there's also signs nationally that that's happening with the Democratic Socialists. I mean, it's no surprise that they picked a uh, kind of fumbling geriatric baby boomer in, in Joe Biden and really turned away from the democratic socialist policies because it can play in the city of San Francisco. But as soon as it moves outward, it really loses steam. Couldn't win in the Midwest, couldn't win in African-American communities. Um, and I think what you'll find is that even if it continues, it's going to be really confined to these areas. So we have to expose these stories and make sure that the, the rest of the country sees these policies don't work in San Francisco. I don't want them in my backyard. So is this more a San Francisco thing than a California thing right now? It's interesting. It's, it's, it's really a coastal versus non-coastal California. So, and, and then also Oregon and Washington State. So yeah. mm-hmm. Seattle, Portland, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, they're really diving off the deep end with these policies. But you're seeing in the interior part of the state, which is more working class, a little bit more industrial, more agricultural, um, you're seeing them go the opposite direction. So I think these are really big West Coast city problems. And unfortunately, uh, they're, they're trying to outdo each other. Um, and, and I don't think it's going to end very well. 
We're talking to uh, Chris Rufo. He's uh, a, a contributing editor at City Journal. You can read this piece about uh, San Francisco at city-journal.org. He's also a documentary filmmaker. Um, so um, the uh, the Tenderloin District um, that you write about sounds lovely. Would you would you recommend people visiting uh, who, who can visit San Francisco to drop in there? Uh, I wouldn't recommend for your average tourist to drop in, but the Tenderloin is in a really fascinating area. It's it's essentially the Skid Row area of San Francisco, um, and it's turned into what I describe of as the city's designated opioid district. So the the city of San Francisco has really adopted a de facto policy of crowding the homeless and the opioid addicted and the IV drug users predominantly in the Tenderloin and surrounding neighborhoods. Um, so they're, they're keeping it away from Nancy Pelosi's house. They're keeping it away from some of the tech wealth uh, neighborhoods, and they're concentrating it in neighborhoods like the Tenderloin. And I think the greatest irony with what's happening in San Francisco right now is that the rhetoric is all about uh, decreasing inequality. But what's happening in reality is that there's tremendous inequality being created by these policies. The wealthy can exempt themselves. If you let everyone out of jail, Mm -hmm. if you decriminalize public camping and drug consumption, it's not going to affect the wealthiest neighborhoods who are highly organized and can push back. It's actually just dropping the ceiling onto the working class and the poor who are already struggling and now have to contend with their streets being flooded with tents, flooded with drugs, flooded with crime and flooded with violence. Well, who's voting for these people that, that allow this to happen? I mean, if, if the, if, uh, are the poor, uh, I mean, uh, and the uneducated and the working class just not showing up to vote? Because Nancy Pelosi, that's her district you're talking about, isn't it? She keeps getting sent to, the, sent, to the, uh, sent to Congress not only to be there, but to be the Speaker of the House. Yeah, well, I think what's happened is that there's really a – you know, the districts in San Francisco and Seattle and L.A. have become one party states. So uh, the, the, there's no real contesting of ideas. There's no real opposition. All of the political institutions basically push people to the most extreme far left of the of the political parties. And the way to win an election in San Francisco is to be more progressive than the next guy. And there and until there is a viable institution of opposition, um, there's really no political solution uh, because the, the, the folks who are winning are the folks who are saying they're the most compassionate, they're the most progressive, they want the most state intervention, and they want the most decriminalization. So people, I think, have yet to make the connection that the outcomes of those policies are actually harming the community. And until they do, they're going to keep electing the people who are putting them in place. Well, here's the thing, and I don't understand, Chris, and I don't live out there. I've been to San Francisco a few times. Um, I have some relatives live there. Um, but I'm trying to imagine somebody being aware of everything that you're describing and continuing to vote for the people who created it. At, at some point, I mean, uh, you're talking about, you, you call it a public camping. That used to be known as vagrancy, and the people who did it used to be known as bums, you know? <laughs> and and they're 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 encouraging it out there, and the people have to walk by and see the poop on the street. And doesn't anybody say, "Wait a minute, who's in charge here? Why is this happening?" People do, but the problem is that it's a, a small minority of people, and they immediately get publicly shamed. Uh, they get attacked. They get uh, beat up in, in in the press. And there's a there's a strong disincentive to point out the obvious. It really feels like a kind of dystopian novel that if you point out a simple reality, like I actually don't think it's a good idea to have people camping in tents on the side of the road in our neighborhood, um, you will be subject to an, an, an unbelievable amount of social pressure to disavow that belief. And the problem is for any one individual then to fight against that system and that ideology um, the incentives are, are, are really prevent that from happening. And then the other problem is that there's no place for that sentiment to go. There are no kind of organic social and political institutions that can provide a durable and meaningful opposition. So you have neighbors that are upset. You have the public sentiment that understands these are huge problems. 
but they don't have the political muscle or organization to turn that into a viable opposition. That's pretty scary. I only have about 20 seconds left. I'm just uh, and Joe Biden is out there. He's he's leaning in that direction. He he thinks he has to please those people to get elected. Yeah, I, I think he, I think it's I think that might be a bit overplayed. I think Joe Biden by heart is a more old school Democrat. Um, I don't think human he being. is. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's as extreme. But the problem is that if you have someone like Joe Biden, my fear is that the people surrounding him would largely be drawn from this crowd and the people that are actually implementing uh administration policy would be people in this progressive apparatus so um you know i I think that joe biden would certainly not be a step in the right direction for any of these policies (laughs) hey chris you do great stuff out there chronicling the insanity of the west coast we'll have you on again i appreciate it thanks thanks john see ya All right, right, see you later. That's Chris Rufo of the uh, City Journal. We'll be right back. Are you tired of all the garbage that Hollywood puts out? Why not redeem the time you're spending at home with your family and watch something that affirms our American values? For a limited time, you can purchase No Safe Spaces, starring Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla. Go to nosafespaces.com to stream the number one political documentary of 2019. Free speech is under attack now more than ever. Politicians on the left are threatening to permanently shut down churches and synagogues. And we can't even open a debate about when we return to work. There is no more important time to watch No Safe Spaces, the movie that the hard left does not want you to see. Go to nosafespaces.com. Use the code SAVE25 to get 25% off your purchase. That's SAVE25. This offer is only available for a limited time. Send the message to Hollywood that you support movies that support your values. Go to nosafespaces.com today. Like the rest of us, you're probably tired of all those annoying sales calls to your home telephone number. Now, there's a solution. OurOldNumber.com will block those pesky robocalls from getting through. And most live sales calls will hang up. So how does it work? Callers to your home telephone number will hear a personalized greeting from you. The caller selects the family member they wish to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded on to the family member's cell phone. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. No long-term contracts. It's still your phone number and remains in directory assistance. The service is only $9.99 per month, and you can eliminate your landline connection and save money. Now, calls to your home phone number can reach any member of the family wherever they are and get rid of those annoying sales calls. OurOldNumber.com. It's just $9.99 per month. Go to OurOldNumber.com to learn how you can get started blocking sales calls today. That's OurOldNumber.com. OurOldNumber.com. You'll be glad you did. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain straining and bloating again and again. No way. Maybe it's occasional constipation. Maybe it's not. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. 
Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com. Sponsored by Allergan and Iron. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Okay, uh, we have a couple minutes left here, and who knows how much time we have left where we have to be uh, quarantined, isolated, uh, social distanced. Um, I don't know how long it's going to go on. I'm getting – my my patience is gone with it, but, um, you know, I, what are you going to do? But uh, this is something that everybody should understand. This is from uh, an organization called the James Beard Foundation. They deal with restaurants. And they've been pulling chefs and restaurant owners uh, about the impact of all this. Here's some numbers. As of April 13th, on average, restaurants have laid off 91% of their hourly workforce and nearly 70% of their salaried employees. Last month, respondents reported that they had let go of 78% of their hourly workers and 58% of salaried. More than 38% of restaurants reported this month that they have closed temporarily or potentially permanently, and over 77% reported at least a $50,000 or 50,000, 50% reduction in sales. Two thirds of restaurants are uncertain that takeout or delivery can sustain their business until they reopen. That's two thirds. 28% of restaurants surveyed in cities with mandatory closures don't believe they can survive more than a month of closure. That's up from 17% in March. 28% believe they can only survive up to two months of closures. Only one in five restaurant owners in cities that are shut down are very certain or somewhat certain that they will be able to sustain their business until normal operations resume. That's one in five owners are feeling pretty good about the possibility of their business surviving this uh, insanity. Nearly six in ten restaurants thought they could survive between one more week or one more month given the current decline in sales and before a government order to halt business. So that's what you got going on with your favorite restaurants. Uh, and I guess the thing is that to try to support them as much as you can. I know I've been spending a lot of time eating meals in my car and parking lots because I've been doing a lot of takeout. But uh, anybody who thinks this can go on for 12 to 18 months is completely, totally insane. They'll be burning down the streets. I'll be back Monday. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.